our D6 theme today is servanthood and how we are to be serving one another. That's our whole evangelism strategy for Victory Church. Servant evangelism. Just showing God's love in a practical way. And I thought, these guys, here they passed this young man, broke down, and they all went to church, and then going in there to worship the Lord. And I can't help but think, boy, I think their worship could have been magnified a lot greater had they stopped and lended a helping hand to someone. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir today whenever we're on the topic of, of servanthood because you have, I guess you have shown that you're willing to serve over this Christmas season. And I am uh, I'm completely overwhelmed with the response from so many of you with our gift wrapping this Christmas. And, and I, let's just give the Lord a hand and give you a hand for, for what you did every weekend from Thanksgiving Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as well as Christmas Eve, uh, many of you were out there wrapping gifts and many of you gave wrapping paper and tape and gift bags and things of that nature uh, to assist in that. So just thank you very much for doing that. Uh, that really sent a, a strong, strong message. Matter of fact, Christmas Eve on the late shift, we were out there serving and, and uh, you know, and I was reading all the, tw the Twitters and the Facebook and uh, and other things from my pastor friends and other church people that I connect with. And, and they were all excited about their candlelight communion Christmas Eve service. And there was a por portion of me that, that really wanted to be there in that type of a service. Uh, you know, I, I miss not having that uh, here at our church and just the logistics of trying to do that here. Number one, we can't even have candles in here. And, and just the setup and the teardown, it just got really difficult to even try to do without a a facility, a building. But you know what? I received probably as great of a blessing out there wrapping gifts for the unchurched people. You see, when it got late in the evening, the church people were in church. And I told Daryl, I said, Daryl, do you realize? I mean, look around. Do you realize these are the people right now that we really need to reach and minister to. Because the churchy people, the Christian people for the most part, and maybe some unchristian, but for the most part, they're all in church somewhere. But these folks aren't. You know, I'm thinking about, boy, if we really want to get close to the heart of our God, then we as a church body, and we as believers, must be sure that we are the hands and the feet of our Lord. That we're very actively engaged in serving and reaching out. You see, it's not this consumer mentality. We've kind of fallen into that in the 21st century church. You know, what can the church do for me? I'm going to bring my family there. What do you guys have to offer me? What do you have to offer my kids? What do you have to offer my teenagers? What type of a youth program do you have? What type of an adult program do you have? What type of ministry? And what, what type of music? You know, it's all consumer driven. It seems like in this day that we live in. Whatever happened to just demonstrating God's love by loving your fellow man and serving one another? You see, 
and I, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I mean, good night. You're here. It's snowing. It's the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's. and it's, it's the down Sunday for every church all across America. And you're here, so I commend you for that. And I'm not trying to beat up on you. But whatever happened to just wanting to come to church so that I could be a part of something and so that I could give of my time and give of my service and give of my finances to help reach those that do not know Christ. It's not about what can the church do for me. Whatever happened to the, man, Jesus saved me. He died for me. I just want to serve him. And the way I do that, I want to serve in my church and serve in my community. Well, a lot of that's been lost. Would you agree? A lot of that's been lost in the, in the culture we live in today. And it almost seems like, boy, if the church can't put on a good entertainment show, you're not going to draw a lot of people. And how unfortunate and how sad it is that, that sometimes I feel. Now, as a, as a pastor, I feel the pressure of that. I mean, I feel it. I mean, I go out and I, I look at where people are flocking to and where the churches they're going to. And, and I look in the door and I see, what are they doing? And man, they've got tremendous facilities. They've got tremendous musicians and singers and teachers and, and ministries and, and all these. Other, and I think, you know, sometimes we fall into that. I want to go to be entertained. I want to go to be served. And I'll be honest with you, I feel the pressure of that. And probably you feel the pressure of that. But I want us to think about our D6 theme today of servanthood. And think about the real reason. I mean, once, once we've accepted Christ as our Savior, yes, we're going to heaven. And I can't wait to get there. Really, seriously. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, I watch Fox News and see what's going on in our world today and, and see I, it's just on a downhill spiral. I mean, it is spiraling down almost out of control, our nation. That I'm saying, just come quickly, Lord. Just get us out of all of this and come quickly. But the only reason I hesitate in praying that prayer probably as passionately as I would like to is because I know there are a lot of people that are not ready should the Lord appear. And I don't, want, I don't want to go to heaven by myself. I want to take as many people as I can with me. Because I know the alternative. I mean, listen, hell is just as real as heaven. And I don't want folks to go there. But guys, let's try to get back. I want our church, I, I really want this to be the driving theme for our church in the year 2010. Now, next week I'm going to talk more about 2010 and what, what I feel like we need to do. But, but I, want, I want this to be the heartbeat. That we are a church that serves. And we are a church that serves. I mean, it's, it's all, it's, it's throughout, it's integrated throughout our entire ministry. You are to be committed. But I want us to do it on a greater scale. I want us to do it even more. I want to go, I mean, we were in the nursing homes this Christmas season. What, what a tremendous time that was. We're going to be over on base uh, in January. I look in your, in your bulletin there. There's some information about that. And we're going to be serving the, um, uh, the, the airmen over there, men and young women uh, over there on base and serving them a meal and playing games with them and interacting with them and just serving them. But the thing is, I don't want just, I don't want just a, a group handful of people to get involved. I want our whole church to do that. I want us all to get involved. And this is what I want to be at the heart of our church, especially as we go into the year 2010. This week's theme is servanthood, a tremendous theme. The goal of the week is to inspire Christians to love others 
I love this next word, practically, by serving like Jesus. Learn to love others practically. I mean, just what is it we can do? I remember we talked to Becky uh, sometime back. It was back in the summer and said, hey, she runs the Ace Hardware store over there. And What can we do at Ace Hardware here in O'Fallon? And we went in there and we stocked shelves and we, we cleaned floors and, and, and we did all kind of things. You see, there's practical things that we can do. And that's what I want us to do. And that's our goal for this week is how we can learn and be inspired to love others practi- practically by serving like Jesus served. Now, all this week we're going to be studying. Here's a few of the fusion facts uh, that we've got up for you and that you'll be unpacking this week. Here's a few things I want you to see. Service opportunities sometimes happen when we least expect them. I mean, there may be opportunities, just like the guys that passed the guy on the road that broke down. I mean, there's going to be opportunities that's going to come across your path that's going to be the most least expected, probably the most inconvenient time. But they're going to be opportunities for us to serve. Like, guys, do you realize that every single time that Jesus did a miracle, he was inconvenienced in doing it? I mean, he was interrupted. His schedule was interrupted. His time was interrupted. I mean, think about the first miracle, the marriage at, at Canaan of Galilee. And he's there. He's just enjoying the, 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 he's enjoying the festivity. He's enjoying the wedding. And all of a sudden they said, Jesus, we're out of wine. And he does his first miracle and he turns the water into wine. The opportunities for you to serve are going to come at times when maybe you least expect it. Number two, we're going to unpack this week how Jesus is able to take our limited resources and do the impossible. You see, you don't have to have a tremendous amount of wealth. He can take our limited resources, our limited talent, our limited finances, our limited abilities, and he can take the small thing that we're able to give and do tremendously great things as we serve other people. And we're going to unpack that this week. We're also going to be talking about how a praying heart opens doors for opportunities of service. And guys, that, that ought to be our heartbeat, that we're praying and saying, God, show me today how I can serve. Show me today someone that I can encourage. It may just be a kind word of encouragement. It may be a helping hand. It may be a neighbor that you see or a co-worker you see or a perfect stranger that comes across your path. But we ought to be praying, God, show me these opportunities. Fourthly, we're going to discover this week how when seeds of compassion are sown, service is grown. When seeds of compassion are sown, service is grown. You see, you got to care. You see, those people that, that never help anybody, they don't care, right? They have very limited compassion or love for anybody. So as we sow love and we get a heart of, of compassion, then we're going to be aware of more and more opportunities to serve. <clears throat> and then fifthly, when we serve others, we are serving like Jesus, and you'll see that in Ephesians chapter 6. Today I want to talk a little bit about simply being a servant. There's a quote by D.L. Moody. He said this, he said, the measure of a man is not how many servants he has, but how many he serves. Think about that. The measure of a man is not how many servants. It's not if you have a butler and a maid and a chef. It's not if you have a gardener. It's not if you have someone to do your nails all the, it's not how many servants you have. Hello? Now, that's completely different from the world's philosophy. you got to understand what we're talking about goes in complete contrast to what our world says is success. Hello? I love that statement. 
The measure of a man is not how many servants he has, but how many he serves. Let me ask you a question. Who are you serving? Who are you serving? How many people have you served over the past week? There's another quote by Walter Jackson. He's a professor at Campbellsonville University, and he says this. He says, servant leadership, as portrayed in the Gospels, is difficult to maintain in a climate where increasingly larger segments of the Christian population prefer super leader styles. This whole concept, concept of servant leadership, it's not very popular in our day and age. I mean, and I've already alluded to it, the 21st century church wants the super leader. I mean, we want the superstar. We're not looking for somebody to get down and, do, and sweep the floors or wash the feet or do the... Or, I went into to Becky's place of employment, Ace Hardware, and I said, I want the dirtiest, nastiest job in this store. And I said, I want to set the example for serving. Give me, the pastor, the dirtiest, nastiest job in the store. And I said, Becky, what that? She mentioned some things that are pretty dirty. I said, what about your back? Who cleans your toilets? She said, oh, no, you're not going to do that. We hire someone to come in and do that. I said, no, that's what I want to do. And, man, I went in there, and I got some gloves on. <laughs> and when I left, that bathroom was spotless. Guys, you know what we need to do? We need to realize that there's no job too dirty for any of us to get down and do. And, you know, I think about my wife and some of the, and her job and what she does and some of the individuals she works with and some of the, wow. Guys, listen, the point I'm trying to make is this. I want us all to be servants. Matter of fact, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Mark's Gospel, chapter number 10. And thought number one I want to share with you, and take out your sermon notes, and you can follow along with me this morning. As we talk about servant leadership, as we talk about servanthood, as we talk about the heartbeat of our God, and that just being a heart that serves, I want you to think about this thought. Being a servant is necessary for the believer and for Christian leadership. It's absolutely necessary. Look, if you will, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, and verse number 35, down through verse number 45. Now, here's old James and John. These are the sons of thunder. And these are some pretty cocky, arrogant, prideful guys. I mean, their actions lead me to say that. I want you to look what they say in verse number 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him, being Jesus, and said, Teacher, we want you to do something for us if we ask you. In verse 36, What do you want me to do for you? He asked. And they answered him, Allow us to sit. Get this now. In verse 37, Mark 10, Allow us to sit at your right and at your left, in your glory. Now, is that not pretty bold? I mean, they were saying, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, when you get in all the glory, we want to share in that with you. And we want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand. I mean, we want, to, we want a position of power and authority and prestige. And we want everybody to see that we've made this journey with you. And I want, I, we just want to be right there. 
Now, don't you think that's a pretty bold statement? I mean, they know that Jesus is the Son of God. Matter of fact, Jesus had just revealed to them what was going to take place. He had just told them about how he was going to be betrayed and how he was going to be handed over to the Pharisees and how he was going to be handed over to the Gentiles and, and how he was going to be crucified and they were going to spit on him and mock him and, and crucify him and how he was going to raise up again a third day. He just, they knew what was taking place. But they said, Jesus, when you come into your glory, we want to sit on the right and the left. Put us there. We're the sons of Zebedee. We're the sons of thunder. We've been with you through it all. Put us on the right and left. Don't you think that's a little bit arrogant? Come on, help me. You, am I the only one who feels like that? Don't you think it's a little bit arrogant? Don't you think it's somewhat prideful? Don't you say, man, what is up with James and John? Right? Who are they? Well, why should they sit there? Let us sit by your right and your left. Verse 38. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're even asking. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Look at verse 39. I'll say more about this maybe in just a moment. <laughs> yep, we're able. Can you believe that? Can you believe that James and John, whenever they said to Jesus, yeah, we can drink the cup. Yeah, we can be baptized like you are. Now, you got to understand, the cup that he was drinking is a metaphor of the suffering that he was going to go and take place on the cross. It was, a, it, was a, it was a metaphor, the rejection of the Father when all the sin of, of the world was laid on Jesus. And it was that metaphor of suffering. On the, yeah, Lord, we can, we can be involved in that. <laughs> the baptism? And that was, just, that was just being cast into ridicule and calamity that our Lord was going to be cast into. Yeah, Lord, we can do that with you. Don't you think that's arrogant? Man, as I'm reading, I'm thinking, man, who in the world are these guys? I mean, have they missed it all along? You know what? I'll be honest with you. As a pastor, I'm a little bit encouraged by this. Let me share with you how I'm a little bit encouraged. I mean, here's James and John. And they've been with Jesus from the beginning. And they've sat under all of his teaching. And they've heard his sermons on the mount. And they've heard all of his numerous teachings. And, and they've experienced all these things. And they know, they know what Jesus is up to. But they still don't get it. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I preach and I preach and I teach and I teach. And then I look around and some people still just do not get it. I think, well, you know what? Jesus had some guys that just did not get it too. So I find a little bit of encouragement there. Not that I'm happy with it. But the fact that some people just don't get it. James and John just didn't get it. You see, they want a, they want a position. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that would get involved in a local church simply so they can have a, you, you name it, a what? Position. Put me in a prominent position in this church, Pastor. I want a position of authority. I want to be somebody. You know what? Whenever I sense that from anyone, that's the last person I ever look at to tap on a shoulder and say, would you be willing to just sit? Hello? And I've got some stories I could share with you along those lines, but I will not just unveil all of that before you here. But how unfortunate it is that sometimes people get this mindset. James and John. Oh, I'm not supposed to be even preaching all this yet. But let's go on down through here. Verse 39. We are able, they told him. Jesus said, you would drink the cup that I drink, and you'll be baptized with baptism, baptism I am baptized with. But to sit on my right or left, it's not mine to give. Instead, it's for those it has been prepared for. In other words, Jesus is saying, you know what? That's not my decision. That's the Father's. 
You see, Jesus was a great example for us on how he was always dependent on the Father. I mean, he always looked to God, God the Father. And he said, you know what? That's not my decision. That'll be the Father's decision to see who sits on the left and on the right. And verse 41, and when the other ten disciples heard this, they, be, they began to be indignant with James and John. What, wouldn't you? Hello? I mean, I would. Who in the world are these guys? In verse 42. Now get this. Here's the, the text. Here's what I want you to get out of this message. Verse 42, Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles dominate them. And their men of high positions exercise, exercise power over them. But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your, what? Servant. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know what Jesus told them? He said, guys, you're thinking like the world is thinking. In verse number 42, he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles dominate them. And he said, guys, that's, what, that's the mentality that you have. He said, but if you want to be great, you must be last. If you want to be great, you must serve. You must become a servant. Guys, listen, it is essential for every single one of us that we become servants. That we get away from this mentality that James and John was interested in of power and glory and prestige and rank and notoriety and just say, you know what? I just want to serve. And Jesus says, if you get that type of mentality, that where you're okay with just bringing up the rear, you don't have to be in the limelight. You don't have to be first. He says, if you'll just be happy bringing up the rear and you'll be happy just serving, he said, I'll see to it that you're first. And I'll see to it that you're great. Wow. That's just the opposite of what our world teaches us today, is it not? So the first thought is that being a servant is necessary for the believer and for Christian leadership. Jesus' lesson that he wanted to teach them, and here's what I want you to write down in your notes. <clears throat> Jesus had to teach them that if they wanted to be leaders in the kingdom, you already know what you need to write down. What? They had to be what? Servants. If they wanted to be leaders in the kingdom, they had to be servants. Now let me share with you real quickly, and I've already alluded to it, the wrong attitude of servanthood. And you see that in verses 35 down through verse number 41, this attitude that James and John had. Yes, Lord, we're able to share in that suffering. We're able to drink that cup. Yes, Lord, we're able to go through with that baptism. But you see, they just didn't get it. Matter of fact, there's a quote by John Stott in his book, The Cross of Christ. And I want you to listen to what this quote says. He says, our world, and he puts in parentheses, even the church is full of Jameses and Johnses, <laughs> go-getters and status seekers, hungry for honor and prestige, measuring life by achievement, achievements, and everlastingly dreaming of success. Our world's full of men and women 
with a mentality like James and John. But the Lord said, if you want to be great, you must be a servant. If you want to be first, you must be last. Another quote by David Garland. This is out of the NIV commentary. I wanted to read this to you. It was a pretty good quote. He said, one need not look far to see preachers who do not preach to reach the people, but preach to reach the top. Wow. I guess I thought it was so good because it kind of hits in the circle that I run in. And I see it all the time. Let me read it again. One need not look far to see preachers who do not preach to reach the people, but preach to reach the top, to become ecclesiastical superstars. <laughs> now, you probably don't get to get in some of the settings that I'm in. But I'll go to some conferences or some meetings with a bunch of preachers, and sometimes I'll leave there sick to my stomach. With some of this ecclesiastical superstardom of preachers trying to reach the top. And you think it's only in the business world? Don't fool yourself. <laughs> Wanting notoriety? Notice me. And how sad that is. And so Jesus is preaching not only to the layperson, not only to the deacons, but also to the preachers and the pastors. Be servants. Somebody say amen. Not ecclesiastical superheroes or superstars. He went on to say in this quote that they see discipleship to Jesus in terms of rank and privilege. They assume that Jesus is someone who will achieve things for them and give them the status of the Lord's. Boy, how sad that is. Real quickly, let me give you three points about servant leadership that I want you to jot down. Point number one is this. The world's view of servant leadership is not Jesus' definition. It just simply is not his. Look what he says about servant leadership in verse 42. Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles dominate them, and their men of high positions exercise power over them. You know what the world's philosophy of being a leader is? To be an authoritative person. To be a person that has the my way or the highway mentality. To be someone that lords over someone or exercises authority over that individual. That's the secular, worldly, ungodly way of leading. And Jesus says, I don't want you to lead like that. I don't want you to lord over these people or dominate them or dict... You see, that's dictatorship. That's not leadership. Hello? Are you with me this morning? Jesus says, I want you to be a, a servant. Point number two is this, that service is the measure of Christian leadership. Service is the measure of Christian leadership. Look what he says in verse 43. But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to all for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Service is the measure. Martin Luther King Jr. said this statement. 
He said, everyone can become great because anyone can serve. Think about that. Everyone can become great because anyone can serve. He went on in that quote and he said this. He said, you don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love to serve. And if you're willing to serve, you will become great, quote, unquote, Martin Luther King Jr. Hello? You see, we can make all types of excuses on why we don't serve. And it really boils down to one reason why we don't serve. It's a heart reason. It's a heart issue. There's something wrong with the heart. And usually what's in there is some type of spirit of pride that would keep us from humbling ourselves and getting down to being a servant. Point number three. Jot this one down. Servant leadership is modeled after Jesus' behavior. Servant leadership is modeled after Jesus' behavior. In verse number 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. You see, His own life was a demonstration for all of us on how we're to serve. He gave His life. He served tirelessly to the end. That's our model. There's a tremendous passage of Scripture in John chapter 13, and I'm not going to turn over there and read it. I put it in your take-home Bible study notes to read. But it's where Jesus got down and washed the disciples' feet. That was the lowest job of any slave in that day was to be the doorkeeper that washed the feet of the guest that would come into the house. And Jesus took note, don't you think? As he's sitting there at the table, and once again his 12 disciples come in, and he notices that not one of them took on the heart of a servant. That really all of them were jockeying for position around the table of our Lord. And I can't help but think he gets up, maybe somewhat grieved in his spirit, and wraps his loins with a towel, and gets out a basin of water, and one by one goes around and washes the disciples' feet. And Jesus said this, or the scripture says this in John 13 and 15. The Lord said, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now that doesn't mean, I don't even think this is scripture that, that says that every church must wash feet. But what this scripture does teach us is that every believer must be a servant. We must be willing to do the dirtiest job for not only our Christian brother or sister, but also for those that do not know Christ and be willing to serve. In closing, let me give you these six main points of servant leadership. I want you to jot these down. They're going to be on the screen here. And you can take and unpack these later, and I'm not going to have time to, to preach all that. That's a whole other sermon in itself. But here's six main points of servant leadership. Servants lead out of relationships and not coercion. In other words, I'm not going to force you or intimidate you in some way to get in compliance with what I'm trying to say or do. I'm going to lead you through a relationship with you. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to talk with you. We're going to establish something together. And servant leaders lead through relationships. Servants also lead by support, not by control. Servants lead by developing others, not by doing all the ministry themselves. Guys, listen, don't do it all yourself. 
You know, let's share the load. Let's share the work. Develop other people. Servants guide people. They do not drive them. Servants lead from love, not domination. Servants seek growth, not position. Now, you can just unpack that later. But, boy, there's so much to be said about serving. And I want us to be a church that really is not afraid to get down and do the dirty work for our community, for each other. You see, the dirty work in Jesus' day was washing feet. I mean, that was, that was so looked down upon. Surely you wouldn't do that. But our Lord did that. And I want us to have that heartbeat. For our church, for our ministry, I want us to be known as a body of believers that are somewhat peculiar. And the Bible says that we're to be a peculiar people, right? Unfortunately, a lot of people think that means, you know, I'll just wear this britches leg tucked in and this all kind of weird looking. And you, you know, no, 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 you can look good and you can style and everything. But we're going to be peculiar because we're going to be willing to serve. And we're going to do the dirty work. And I want Victory Church to be known in the Metro East as a church that's willing to serve and do the dirty work. And let our communities know, hey, what is there that we can do? Why do you want to do this? We just want to show God's love in a practical way. Jesus came to serve, and we want to serve. And while we're serving you, we're building relationships with you. And while we're serving you, we're going to get an opportunity to share with you about Jesus, which is the real reason why we're serving. You see, you don't have to take a Bible and knock people over the head and get them to come to Christ. No, all you got to take is a heart that's willing to say, hey, what can I do for you? I see a tree that's down in your yard. Man, we're going to get over there and take care of that tree. I see something in your life that needs to be done. We want to serve. We see a family down and out. We want to help. We see a community that just needs some volunteers. We want to be there. We saw an opportunity to wrap gifts at the mall. People, why in the world are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Most of them, man, I'm not... There's a catch. It's not free. There's something you're wanting out of me. You want me to come to your church. We just want to show you God's love in a practical way. It's free. Let us wrap you a gift. Blew people away. Blew them away. Why? Because most churches aren't doing that. Most Christians aren't doing that. Most believers aren't doing that. We're not serving. Unfortunately, you know what the church does? It goes out in the community and says, Hey, y'all come over here with us because we want you to help us do... And then it's off to some other something else. The heartbeat of our church, I want it to be serving. Just getting our hands dirty. Now, I like to work. I I enjoy labor. That's almost stress relief for me. I look forward to those times when, when I can just do some hard, dirty work. I like that. And guys, we all need to do that. And we need to look for opportunities to do that. Let me in closing, and this is going to be our invitation, and we don't need, we're not going to get up and, and go to the back or anything. We're just going to stay in our seats, and God's going to cue some music. I just want you to think about four things as I share these with you in this time of reflection. And we've examined what it means to be a servant leader. The question I have for you is this. Will you strive to serve others? Will you do that? Will you just make that your heart's plea and your heart's desire? Lord, God, help me see the opportunities that you give me to show the love of Christ to a brother, to 
to a sister in Christ, to an unbeliever, to a neighbor, to a co-worker, to someone that does not know you, to somebody you bring across my path. Help me to see the need there. And help me to be the individual that can serve them. But guys, you're going to have to be praying for that. You're going to have to be looking for that. Will you let that be your heart's prayer? Will you just decide going into the year 2010, closing out 2009, that you're going to serve your fellow Christians? That you're going to serve each other in this church family? And I realize most of our churches, a lot of our church is gone today. But will you decide in our church family, will you look around and be sure that everyone's needs are being met? Will you be your brother and sister's keeper? Will you serve each other? Will you build each other up? Will you encourage each other? Will you help guide each other? Will you be a shoulder for someone to cry on? Will you be a helping hand when there's a need? That's called servanthood, guys. But not only with our church family, with those who are not Christians, with those who do not know Christ, will you make it your heart's desire going into the year 2010 that you're going to be intentional and you're going to be willing to be interrupted inconvenienced to take a portion of your time and maybe a portion of your resources and give to someone that does not know Christ expecting nothing in return but just I want to show you the love of Christ he gave his life for me and I want to give to you will you make that your heart's desire and if you're here today and you do not know Christ as your Lord and your Savior my prayer is that right now you accept it as your Lord. Let's all pray together. Just have a time of meditation and on some of the things that I've shared. And then I'll lead us in prayer at the end. closing today we just pray that you search our hearts and God you would give us the heart of your son the Lord Jesus a heart that's willing to serve and give expecting nothing in return help our church to be a church that's willing to give just to show the love of Christ in a practical way God you've given us and blessed us with so much help us to be a people with a heart that's willing to serve our church, our church family, our community, our workforce, our neighborhoods, and those that do not know you. Help us to reach them by serving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.